Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. Today, we're going to be reviewing a film that was created by a YouTuber. And this film hits home in a lot of ways. It's too real in a lot of ways. Um, and the film we're reviewing today is Eighth Grade. Sarah, do you want to kick us off with an IMDb summary? I sure do. An introverted teenage girl tries to survive the last week of her disastrous eighth grade year before leaving to start high school. That's a good one. That is a Very good one. Accurate. Good job, IMDb. Yes. Proud All of right. you. Now we're going to show up IMDb. Well, I don't know about that. But... <laughs> okay, so mine is two words. It's not really even words, honestly. But it perfectly captures the sentiment that I had the entire two hours of watching this film, which is hashtag too real. <laughs> too real. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, man. And so accurate. Like, me and my couch watching this film, literally cringing, face in my hands. Because <laughs> so I'm just like, oh, so awkward. All right. What is and yours? Mine, mine was an hour and a half of cringing. <laughs> yes. So I feel like that between our two summaries, it accurately sums up our sentiments about this film. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so a little backstory behind this film. I watched this film and it was, as Sarah mentioned, an hour and a half of cringing. And I... I was just so amazed at the film's ability to get me to cringe that much. And from every little detail of like her mannerisms, the pacing of things she would say, her facial expressions, it was just every little detail was so perfectly well done that it came together so wonderfully and perfectly captured that middle school awkwardness that I thought to myself, Sarah has to watch this film. I wish that I was able to watch you watch this film. Alas, I didn't have the pleasure <laughs> of being able to do that. But I'm really impressed by this film's ability to, to capture that so um, so well. And I f just was intrigued to hear Sarah's reaction to this film. So Sarah, what were your initial thoughts of 8th grade? My initial thoughts were, why in the world did Jen make me watch this? Yes. Um, <laughs> like so you said, pleased. I mean, for an hour and a half, I was, I was just cringing. Like, it took me back to probably one of the worst years <laughs> that I had in school. Seventh, uh, eighth, and ninth grade were really, really bad for me. <laughs> so... I was like, this is a year that I did not want to be transported back to. And yet, they were able to do so quite well. <laughs> I appreciate this film for what it was and how well done it was. But I did not enjoy this film. Uh, <laughs> this is not one that I would watch again. But I think that it is a really important film. And I'm really glad that we live in a time where a movie like this can be made that is so real and raw and accurately depicts a year for a lot of people that's really, really rough. And mm -hmm. so I think it's worth watching, but it's an incredibly uncomfortable film. <laughs> the entire time watching this film, I had in the back of my mind that we may review it. And I just kept thinking about our reactions after watching Tully and how it was such an uncomfortable two hours of that film. But afterwards, like just sitting with it and realizing how important it was for this film to be made and how it had so much to say was something that just was like circling in the back of my mind after watching this film. It's like there's so many parallels to that that feeling after watching Tully of like, I hated going through that, but this is real. And so I'm kind of glad that I was brought reluctantly up close and personal with these experiences of the characters, whether it was like 
this uh, mother who is struggling and dealing with postpartum depression or this young girl who's going through like the most awkward years and dealing with social anxiety. Like I don't want to live in this moment with you, but I'm glad that I have unwillingly been put in your shoes and seeing the world through your eyes and now have much more empathy for you. And I think I, I liked Tully better than I liked eighth grade, but I think that like Tully, my appreciation for eighth grade will grow the more that we talk about it Mm. and the more that I'm able to sit with it because like you said, this is one of those that I think will, will age well. Mm -hmm. And because it's such an important topic, I mean, kids are really, really struggling right now and depression and anxiety. I mean, they were everywhere when I was in middle school and high school, and I can't imagine how bad it is today. So I think that this is a really important topic to discuss and shed light on. And so in that regard, I think the more that we think about it and the more that we talk about it, the more that we'll realize just how important it is and mm-hmm. come to value it even more. Yeah, it's interesting how there are those films that you come out of the theater, you're on this adrenaline, it was like this high, and then it kind of wears off and you're like, oh, like, well, it was fun, but it, it's not going to be one that will be memorable for me. And then there's these others where you come out and you're like, oh, that was a rough experience. But as it kind of sits a little bit and you have time to ruminate on it, it becomes more and more beautiful as you you are able to sit with it a little bit more. And so it's interesting the those like post-film reactions and how different they are with different types of films. Because after watching Tully, like I was like, I don't get it. I don't, what, what's <laughs> happening? What's this trying yeah, to say? Like, you did not like that movie after you watched it. <laughs> but then like a couple of days later when we, we reviewed it together and we were able to kind of like talk through some of the different themes and all of that kind of stuff. It's like, wow, this was so important to create and I'm yeah. so grateful for it. Will I watch it on a Saturday night after a stressful <laughs> week? Mm, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not a feel-good movie Mm -mm, nope (laughs) so let's start off by talking about the awkwardness that is just so well crafted in this film I that was one of the big things that really impressed me about this film and I mentioned this earlier on as well but the whether it's the filmmaker, the director, the actors, actress, ability to so perfectly capture those nuanced moments when she would say, um, or like, or stumble upon her words, or stutter, was just so on point throughout every part of this. Um, the interactions at the pool party were just taking me back to like my eighth grade self living in like suburban America and it was the level of observation that must have had to occur first in order to then recreate this and film it is just so impressive to me. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that that did it for me was her lack of eye contact with people. Uh, Even at the end when she was telling Kennedy off she did not make eye contact once she was looking down the entire time. And so even in those moments of triumph or, or normalcy, like she struggled to make eye contact and connect. And that's one of our biggest things as people is you connect by looking at somebody and looking somebody in the eye. Um, And so then that just added to the awkwardness, her posture, her shoulders were always slumped forward. Her head was always a little bit down. Um, Mm. And she just even carried herself in an awkward manner. And you could like feel the insecurity and the anxiety like radiating out from her. She did such a phenomenal job Mm -hmm. in this. And I think there were other little things in the filmmaking process that added to the awkwardness but man she really gave it her all on the awkward level (laughs) 
And there are many other coming-of-age stories uh, that depict the high school or middle school life and the challenges that attempt to portray this awkwardness or this like insecurity, but it always feels uh, created and crafted, whereas this feels so authentic, and I was so impressed by that. From Can we talk about the opening scene for Hot Sec? Because from the minute this film starts, I was paying attention. Because I'm like, the pacing of this, everything about that opening scene was so perfectly well done. We didn't even see much of her, the rest of her body. It's just her voice and um, her facial expressions that we see. And for her to convey so much so accurately in the first, like, what, two, three minutes of the film, I was like, all right, we're in... We're in for the ride. I need to like buckle my seatbelt in because this is about to be a really interesting hour and a half. And I think part of it is because Bo Burnham is also a stand-up comedian. And part of being a comedian is you need to constantly be paying attention to social norms and to what's going on in order to call those out. So comedians are always watching. They're always paying attention. If something is a little bit off, they can figure out how to turn that into a joke. And so I think he just channeled his um, very observant brain and just went to a dramatic place (laughs) instead of a comedic place, Mm -hmm. uh, which is so cool to me because I didn't realize that he had written and directed this until after it was over. And I was like, wait. Is that the same? That, yeah. That's the same guy. <laughs> you did both of these. How? How is this possible? Um, but he did both so well. And I think just that ability to observe and pay attention to norms, man, it's so valuable, whether you're doing something comedic or dramatic. Yeah, and he he cast uh, Elsie Fisher as Kayla, who Elsie Fisher in real life is like, going through puberty and she's a middle school kid. And so there's, I think something a little also that she brings that's super authentic as well. Um, Most of these coming of age stories will cast someone who's like 20 or 21 and like Mm -hmm. cast them as someone who's like four or five years younger. And I love that he went out to find middle schoolers. Like a lot of the extras in her school and her class are also middle schoolers this is like filmed out of this middle school so there's so much that was authentic um that was like brought to the table that he really intentionally wanted to include um in an environment that felt real to elsie fisher and as much as i love the coming of age films of the 80s like (laughs) i grew up watching john hughes movies I will never turn down watching a John Hughes movie. Um, this this is made for a different audience and a different time with a different message. Because mm-hmm. John Hughes movies, like they're fine, they're entertaining, they're fluff, and they there's moments of realness, but they're always over dramatized. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, it rang really really true (laughs) and it hit really close to home which made it all the more awkward yes I'm curious which parts of this like reflected your middle school experience like that pool party scene just brought me straight back to like last day of school and somebody's family had a membership at the pool club and like kids from school just like go and hang out it lit it looked so much like that even the mom's interactions with her daughter and like taking photos on her iphone and um getting that like group photo like all of that was so authentic to like my suburban childhood um like summer experience like that rang so close to home yeah, it was, it was all the little moments, you know, like having to do, um, like the, we, we didn't do active shooter drills at my middle school, but we did, you know, like the, the fire drills and all of those mm-hmm. things like that. I love that he included that in there. 
band. Oh my gosh, yeah. that scene drove <laughs> me nuts. And I'm sitting there going, did we sound that bad when yes. I was in eighth grade? I was like, does this I'm- what parents have to sit through? But like two hours of like, can you imagine when it was the orchestra and the violins oh are just gosh. like screeching? Yes. I was too. thinking about that. <laughs> I was like stressing out and I was going, man, I thought that back in eighth grade, we sounded good. But now I'm just questioning everything. I'm like, was I actually good at all of these instruments? Or did people just tell me that I was good? So then I just kept playing them. Like, it felt like my whole middle school existence was a lie. Um, and I think it was just in the little, like, the little awkward interactions with people. Like, mm-hmm. not, like, I had my different friend groups, but I had a bunch of different friend groups. So I was always bouncing around between them. And I never had a click. So a lot of times I was alone. And I'm an only child. So like when I got home, I'd be alone up in my room doing something. Like I didn't have a phone or social media, but I was always creating something. And I think that's what I really related with with her. Like I've always had this little like creative entrepreneur inside of me. So I was always dreaming up something. I was writing a song or thinking of a movie or, you know, trying to write a book or something. So I really related to that part of her as well. And like, I mean, we, okay. So I would always go over to my friend's house and I would come up with this like little short film that we would come up with. And her dad had this like old video camera with a VHS in it and we would film each other. (laughs) So I was like, yeah, I had the low tech version of that. But instead of giving, you know, life tips to children, we were filming whatever stupid stuff I came up with. Yep. Yep. I remember we would make music videos to like Taylor Swift songs, but like lip sync them in the basement. (laughs) Or even like the, the, the fact that they included the Mac photo booth as her method of recording herself was just so yes. great. Hearing those three beeps and then like the thing starts recording just brought me back to being, this wasn't even in middle school anymore. This was like freshman year of high school. And my friend and I would go to the library and like do photo shoots with the different filters because we <laughs> thought we were like hot shit, you know? Like, <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, it was bizarre. But yeah, the – he either must have pulled from his middle school experience or talked to a lot of middle schoolers to figure out, like, what was authentic, even to, like, Generation Z now. Ugh, so all the little things came together so perfectly. It rang, hit too close to home. Too real. Hashtag too real. <laughs> <laughs> and he did talk to a lot of middle schoolers because I read, like, he first wanted to use – Facebook as the main medium throughout Mm. and that's where that line like oh nobody uses Facebook anymore came from (laughs) is one of them actually said that and so then he changed it to Instagram and Snapchat Mm -hmm. yeah and like her lying in her bed like full face of makeup and then taking the photo and being like oh just woke up like this like (laughs) with the filters on it and she looks all cute and it's like that's so real. So real. I'm sure my yeah. high school self did the same thing, to be honest. <laughs> well, and it makes me wonder how many millennials still do that today. Yeah. So that brings up an interesting question, and we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier on, but this film is rated R. And so one of the big problems that I have with this film and a lot of other folks have also mentioned is like, Inherently, this film has so many messages for kids that are living through that experience right now that by giving this a rating, um, of giving it a rated R rating, shuts out the whole population of people that this film represents. Some people may say it's created for it. Or was this film created for parents? Was it created for um young folks that have like just come out of that stage and are looking back on their experiences and like being nostalgic about it. Like who is really the target audience for this film? 
I didn't realize that this was rated R. Yeah. <laughs> Why in the world? <laughs> I, I, th- I wonder if it has to do with that one of the scenes at the very end, the consent scene, is one of the things I can think about. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I feel like I've I've seen more in a PG-13 movie uh, <laughs> than we saw in this rated R movie. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. It's interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah. So And I don't I don't God. know who this was created for. Um I think my assumption mm-hmm. is that it was for created for people who are older um, because I mean right now yeah I mean millennials some millennials have kids that are approaching teenage years so probably millennials and older just to have this snapshot of this is what it's actually like like, let's have mm-hmm. some empathy for these kids. I'm going to include enough so that you feel nostalgic and you remember what it was like for you to be in eighth grade. But I'm also going to add in this layer of complexity with social media and show you it's really, really rough. Like, it was mm-hmm. hard when you were in middle school, but it's so much harder now. So mm-hmm. let's create those spaces to have a conversation. And I especially think for parents that you know, her dad didn't give up trying to connect with his daughter, even though she was constantly shutting him out. And he didn't get upset about it. He didn't cut her off, you know, to try and spite her. But he kept loving her and kept trying until finally they were able to make that connection. Um, And I also wonder how many people are still living out of that eighth grade space. Like I know plenty of people who are in their twenties and thirties who struggle with social anxiety and it's maybe not that bad and they've come up with ways to combat it, but it's still underlying. And so maybe to see um, that growth and that acceptance, I think that that's you know, a coming of age story can be related to at any age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even her her realization at the end, or her moment of growth at the end, was around coming out of a difficult season, but looking forward with a renewed hope that even if this previous season sucked for you, like you can still move forward and kind of create a new future. And I think that was her big realization. It's like you weren't. You didn't become who you thought you were going to by the end of middle school, but that's okay. Um, And you're going to high school now, and you might face more challenges, and it might suck too, but you'll get over that too. And it's just her confidence and her ability to endure difficult seasons and still come out renewed for the next, I think is, is a universal message. But there's also so much for middle schoolers in this too that I'm like, oh, I... Uh, but I I think about, like, if you and I were our middle school selves watching this film, what our reactions would be. Like, we as our older selves can look at this and be like, wow, this is great for middle schoolers. But they might not, they might not relate to this film. It might, might not be the same type of humor or whatnot. Um, they might not recognize the same connection with a lot of the things in the film like who knows there's like a self-awareness that I don't know if I had at my middle school self to be honest so yeah I wouldn't have I wouldn't have watched (laughs) it I would have been like I'd watch like two minutes and then be like I'm done move on to something else this is weird yeah (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) like oh she's socially awkward I'm not watching bye yeah (laughs) yeah so but then it begs the question, like, who, again, who is this, who's the audience for this film? Um, especially, like, from a marketing perspective, 
the trailer fully conveys all of the awkwardness and things like that. Like, I'm curious the demographic of people that went to the theaters and watched this film versus the demographic that are more like us that watched it on Prime. You know, like, this doesn't seem like the type of film that you would have throngs of people flocking to the theater to go see. Um, So it it's a really interesting question. It's kind of the same, a similar discussion that we had around Tully where it's like, how do you market a film like this and who's going to go see it? And how do you get people to go see it? There's so much goodness here, but taking that first leap of like getting people to go is a really interesting question. And I really appreciate that these kind of films are able to be made like, um, A24 did this one as well. And more and more, anytime I see A24 <laughs> is involved with a film, I'm like, yes, I want to watch it. I have no idea what it's about, but I'm there. Mm-hmm. Because they keep creating films like this that are important and are different. And you wouldn't normally get it through like a more traditional studio. Mm-hmm. But they're willing to take these chances on these films and... I love it. I do too. Yes. Can we also, also talk about... Think, Go ahead. Oh, I also think the, the beauty of this is from a money-making perspective, they didn't need to get a whole heck of a lot of people to actually come to this because I would imagine that it's a decently low-budget film. Mm-hmm. You know, they're... There wasn't a lot to it. (laughs) No, they filmed at like um, a middle school somewhere in some state in the Midwest or something like that. I remember reading like it was pretty easy (laughs) production wise. Like unknown or little known actors and actresses, you know. Um, So from a budgeting perspective, they didn't need all of the people to come see it. So even if a select few came inside, they could still make money off of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's now on Prime Video, so yeah, that that's some good exposure, I think. Like the 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 hurdle you have to jump over to watch this if you have Amazon Prime, like you're good to go. It could be one that you're kind of scrolling through and be like, oh, I'm intrigued by that one. Yeah, what is this? I think the critical acclaim that this film's gotten has also helped it a lot. I mean, that's one of the yeah. reasons that we watched it at all as well, right? We've heard folks talk about it and rave about it. And so we're like, oh, I'm intrigued. Exactly. So that's yep. awesome. Word of mouth is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Can we talk about the fact that this film was made by a YouTuber, directed by a YouTuber? That is Awesome. The fact that there are new channels for new talent coming from typically untraditional sources and places is really cool to see. Part of me is really excited about that. And the other part of me really, really hates that. (laughs) Okay, so unpack that a little bit. Um, So if we get more incredible things like this created great I love that keep with the non-traditional but there's something about the traditional process and you learn so much so like if if people take time to study the craft and hone their craft and are able to produce something amazing because of it that's awesome I don't care where you came from bring your ingenuity and your creativity But if you just come out at left field, (laughs) not having done your homework, not knowing how to create a thing, and you try to create a thing, I'm not here for that. I need you to do your due diligence (laughs) before you create something like this. So prepare your sound effect, because I'm about to make a Star Wars reference. (laughs) (laughs) I feel your frustration, because I think it's... Similar in nature to my frustration with the fact that Ray is just raw talent and she's never been trained in the force. <laughs> and I just don't think that's okay. Like if you're going to wield a lightsaber, you better have been trained by people who are experts and masters of the craft. Like you can't just come in and like be impressive and like beat everyone. That seems kind of unfair. Like there's got to be some established system 
of training involved. So yeah, I think you're but she is a similar. chosen one. Bo-, Bo Burnham is not the chosen one, but yes, I see. No, he's not. He did a great job. <laughs> he though. did a great job. But yeah, I see your point. It ushers in this whole host of all kinds of things that we may lose quality. And the trade-off is that we may gain a lot more creativity and freshness. But you're right. The quality control is more difficult. So my hope is that with how things are, are structured, you know, you have to jump through all of these hoops in order for a movie to get made, that that structure will weed out some of the crap. Uh, obviously, it's not always successful because we got a lot of crappy movies out there. But um, hopefully, we'll get the best of both worlds and be able to have, you know, these new directors that will bring fresh insight into things. Um, hopefully, with less of the foolishness that could also accompany it (laughs) it might be the the other side of the force pushing back on this (laughs) um wave of sequels and extended universes and maybe it's going to be a turnover or a zap of freshness for hollywood that we just need who knows? But I mean, anything the- to take down the Disney Death Star. <laughs> like, I'm here for it. A24, oh, you keep doing what you're doing. Yes. I will give you my money. I don't want to give Disney my movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we look at like the summer blockbusters coming out in 2019. The vast majority of them are sequels or extended universes or characters that we already know. Like, there's probably only a handful that are, like, really genuinely new concepts or new storylines. So maybe this is the freshness that Hollywood is desperately needing. Who knows? It's the optimistic view, at least. <laughs> I, I like it. The, the pessimist will take it. <laughs> you mean the realist? The realist. The realist. The realist with a shade of pessimism? <laughs> My mother always says, I'm not pessimistic, I'm just realistic. And your optimism is just idealistic. Wrong. Yeah, <laughs> it's just too <laughs> idealistic. <laughs> All right, so we've touched a little bit on the social anxiety and the use of technology that's prevalent in Gen Z. Let's kind of unpack that a little bit more. I think these two things are actually tied together pretty closely. And the film definitely has some things to say implicitly about both of these things. Um, so let's unpack that a little bit. What were your thoughts on the film's portrayal of these two topics and how that relates to kind of the problems that are, the challenges that are going on for today's youth? My thought was, thank God social media was not a thing when I was in middle school. <laughs> Mm. Like, oh my gosh. Like, I hate social media as an adult. Like, it's it's not my thing. It's a necessary evil, so I use it. But I don't enjoy it. I don't want to go on it. And it's just needless noise in my life. Um, but just thinking about so many of my friends in middle school and high school, like, all they wanted was to be accepted. And with social media, we have the entire world connected to us. And with that large pool of people, and you're constantly putting yourself out there going, accept me, accept me. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you're just going to get eaten alive. And I can only imagine, I mean, this film gave us a pretty great insight into one girl's world, but to have to go through that every day, like social media just amplifies everything that we went through in middle school and high school and just takes it to another level that it, no wonder depression and anxiety are on the rise with young mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Inherently the, 
a lot of social media is creating these like larger than life personalities or like the best parts of ourselves and figuring out how to amplify those. Like I love the example of her uh, full face of makeup, like lie down, lies down gently on her bed so her hair doesn't get messed up and like takes the selfie, bef several versions of it first to get the best one. And then the caption was just woke up like this. Ugh. Or, um, in her YouTube videos, even when she was talking about going to the pool party and she framed it in her YouTube video as this other girl who's mm -hmm. kind of quiet and awkward yep. showing up to her party and her accepting um, this new girl when it really was the opposite situation. And so this concept of like creating a persona for yourself, the best version of yourself and amplifying all of these parts of you I just can imagine that that kind of infiltrates to you portraying yourself in real in real life right there's your like digital persona but then that same concept and the same thought processing and mentalities inevitably will trickle over to portraying yourself in reality and the fact of the matter is like our true selves are like acne ridden and awkward and weird and we don't know what to say in most situations and that contrast is I think super toxic and leads to a lot of the insecurity of like trying to figure out what the best parts of her is and like portraying those and in middle school high school college and even into the workplace like because specifically in America we were built on a meritocracy so we're constantly being compared to each other based on our performance and it's so easy to get lost in the trap of I am what I do but on social media you open yourself up to a whole nother world of rejection mm -hmm. so in addition to being in this incubator in middle school with all of these other kids judging you on your performance and your parents judging you on your performance and you have to behave a certain way then you have to go digitally and do the exact same thing like we're constantly comparing each other and that constantly sets us up for failure in a lot mm -hmm. of ways and you know it just reeks of insecurity mm -hmm. yeah and so much of our mentalities are shaped by the things we consume and we talk mm -hmm. about this in terms of film like films are so powerful because they're teaching hundreds and thousands and millions of people like what do we value as a culture what is celebrated what is rejected like what is growth what is an adventure right like all of these ethos are being processed and consumed and we either reject them or we accept them and sometimes we accept them without even realizing it right but social media is like a whole another channel that's constantly like feeding into the voices in our head telling us what we should value. And I thought this was portrayed really well in the film where there were those like montages of her just scrolling through watching like YouTube videos as she's getting ready for school or taking the BuzzFeed quizzes or like scrolling through her classmates Instagrams. And it's like all of these voices and channels and opinions and thoughts and images are like constantly like flooding our minds that we have like so much inflow that we have to process through and figure out like what do we want to take in and what do we want to reject? We don't really have time to do that. It's just constant inflow of voices and opinions. And you just see there's some really beautiful shots in the film where you see her eyes darting back and forth and then there's like this transparent overlay of like the things she's scrolling through and it's just like zooming back and forth between all these things she's consuming in the span of like a few hours on a school night. And it's crazy to think about how much is being consumed. And I think it creates an interesting uh, like self-fulfilling prophecy. Like she retreats into social media because she's socially awkward but because she spends so much time on her phone then she's more socially awkward and doesn't yeah. know how to connect with the person in, in person and then it just it creates that constant and vicious cycle that we can so easily fall into no matter our age 
because mm-hmm. the more that we figure out how to connect with people digitally, the easier it is to lose the art of connecting with a human being in person. Mm-hmm. Which then breeds the social anxiety that is portrayed throughout the film so yeah. well. Yes. I remember watching this film before going to a um, small group at my church. And I just remember like leaving the house feeling so grateful for like simple things like being able to make small talk or like start conversation that like inherently you learn after like, you know, the high school years or going to college or doing job interviews or like connecting with coworkers. Like we've, we've gathered that skill set that like I didn't have necessarily when I was in middle school, but I just remember being so grateful for just being able to like say hi to someone and ask them how their week was and their weekend without feeling that like sense of panic and I just have I felt like I was like coming out of Kayla and like going into the real world and being so grateful that I wasn't stuck in Kayla's body you know (laughs) yeah yeah I was really happy to go outside yeah and like (laughs) actually like put a screen down put put technology away for a minute and just go outside yeah it's like I'm so glad I don't see the world the way she does and then there are other films where like I wish I could stay with this character because I love the way they see the world and this was this was one where I was like I got to see your world for two hours an hour and a half and I don't I don't want to stay there (laughs) yeah it it's also just so sad because I know so many people I mean grown adults who who retreat into their devices and I do it too like if I'm out and I don't want to engage in conversation I'm going to pull up my phone I'm not going to be doing a whole lot on it but I look like I'm doing things on it Um, Mm -hmm. and I just knowing how many people really are addicted to our phones and our screens and our technology and and it's just going to get worse the the longer this goes on. So mm-hmm. I can't imagine what it's going to be like when kids who are in middle school now are our age. Like, mm-hmm. what's that going to be like in, you know, a decade or two or three? Yeah. How much is technology going to change and take over? And how much more is it going to be, um, how much more difficult is it going to be for us to actually connect? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe eighth grade was the true post-apocalyptic film, sci-fi film. Hey-o. <laughs> we just don't realize it yet. No, <laughs> He's going to come up with eighth grade revisited and it'll be like <laughs> jumping 10 years in the future and yeah. we're all screwed and technology has taken over. Everything it'll sucks. Yeah. We're controlled by robots. We don't talk to each other at all. Bo Burnham, we need a sequel. This is one of the few instances where you and I are advocating for a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> Can we follow Kayla in another grade? Like, yes. <laughs> can we see how she changes and grows and saves the world from the robots? Like, that would be great. Oh, does this turn into a superhero film? No. The post-apocalyptic superhero film? No, 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 no. Okay. She's not a superhero. <laughs> She's just a regular but Sarah, human being. we'll make tons that- of money from that. <laughs> No, 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 no. People love it. She's just a regular human being who can talk to another human being. That is her superpower, (gasps) is communicating to another human without a robot. Yeah, her and that uh, sophisticated little dude who's so endearing. Oh, yeah, the little guy. Oh, he's so endearing. He was so awkward. (laughs) That scene where they're on this, like, dinner play date. I don't know what to call it. And they're like... They're like self-aware and assessing themselves and asking each other how each other's doing. He's like, "Am I talking too much? Am I? Do- are you? Are you okay? Does this feel good? Are you having fun?" It was so endearing, but so uh, it's so awkward. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but he was so precious. It was he was the sweetest. <laughs> All right, so another piece of this film that I want to talk about is the consent scene the backseat car with the boy scene let's unpack that a little bit it's very relevant 
for today with the whole Me Too movement. Let's talk about that a little bit. I, uh, I'm so glad that this scene was in here, but the whole time I was just like, oh, no. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. oh, it was, oh, God. Because I remember we would play Truth or Dare and yeah. we would get ourselves into situations like that. And, oh, man, it just, it took me back to, <laughs> it took me back. And I didn't yes. want to be taken back to that. <laughs> um, but I agree. Like, it's it's so important given where we are today and especially in light of things like the Me Too movement. And I think it just, it shows um, how shame-filled situations like that are, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's, it's so easy for the male in a situation like that to deflect and put shame onto the female and how easy and how susceptible we can be to just like take that and how she apologized to him. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, no girl, Girl, no, 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 he needs to apologize to you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I that was so uncomfortable, but it was so important. I'm so glad it was in the film as well. And if, what a what a great way to comment on this Me Too movement and the grayness of consent in a way that felt so I don't know what the right word to use is, but it it talked about it without talking about it. It talked about it without being on the nose or implicitly being like, okay, I'm going to have a scene in here where it deals with the complexities of consent. Like it was done so subtly and and with so much nuance that it was very gracefully done. But one of the things I really loved about that scene is that it, it portrayed how gray this concept of consent is. Like she, he never necessarily like, specifically did anything that she could call out and be like you violated me in this way and yet his ability to kind of like push her into a corner to the point where she felt uncomfortable that was violating and and I loved that they he portrayed how much that really rattled her and shook her and made her feel so reduced down to nothing when she came home and cried and and the scene with her dad but the way that this this scene portrayed that like feeling of being sh- like pushed back into a corner and like almost forced without really having anything to explicitly say you did x y and z was so gracefully done this is a topic that's really prevalent right now um at my company there was this thread that just blew up it started with a woman asking for help with career advancement and it just there were hundreds of women sharing stories of situations where they felt uncomfortable or um, violated, but they couldn't specifically pull out something that was said or done where they could have a solid case to go to HR and get that person removed or where HR would say, yes, that's a valid case for us to explore right now. And yet it was still such an emotional experience. And And I think this film the scene specifically did such a great job of portraying that difficult place to be where you can't point to anything specifically that was done and yet the emotions and the weight of it still are so prominent. And I loved the scene after when she's in her room. It's that still shot. The lamp is on the ground and you just all you see is her dad mm-hmm. reacting to her. And that was so powerful to me just yeah. to see how much it affected her. And she went to go hide and her dad was there for her to care for her and like, okay, what can I do? How can I help you? How can I protect you? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that was just the cherry on top of that whole sequence for me. 
And I loved that they didn't include the audio in that scene as well. It was yeah. silent. You just saw the raw emotion unfolding. You didn't need to hear her crying or her dad asking why. Like just watching it unfold almost hit home even more because we couldn't hear anything. We just had to watch it and feel the weight of it. Oh, so good. Yeah, that was, for me, that was one of the best scenes in the entire thing was that just, that still shot. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, that's great. Yeah, and it wasn't long too. It didn't force you to like Mm -hmm. sit there for a while. It was like a few seconds and it cut away and moved on to the next thing. Yep. Let's talk about the dad. We haven't talked much about the dad yet, but he was such an endearing character. Yeah, and he was so awkward, too. (laughs) So I was like, ah, social awkwardness all over. Great. Yeah. Um, But I I was pretty impressed that they chose to go the single dad route with this. Um, I feel like up until more recently, films with a single parent have typically been a single mom. And there's this real tendency, um, especially where we are socially, for women to bash men and paint in really, really broad strokes and label all men a certain way. But this film did a really, really good job of sharing a really human uh, father who is trying to parent a girl through puberty, which has to be one of the most awkward things ever. Um, And I'm really, really glad that they chose to have a single father as opposed Mm -hmm. to maybe a single mother raising the daughter. Yes, I really appreciate that as well. It introduced a whole new set of dynamics, which were super awkward as well, but it was beautiful to see the relationship and how relentlessly he kept trying to like knock on her door and just like kind of break her walls down and like just be there without being overbearing. Um, he was just an endearing character as well. I think the the awkwardness helped him in a lot of ways because I'm thinking of the scene where they're sitting at dinner and he's just like, I think you're amazing. Like you make your YouTube videos and you're doing this creative thing. And I just think you're awesome. And she just doesn't want to hear it. Like it's kind of cringy where you're like, when you hear praise that's so long and so forward, you're like, what do I do? But you could hear how genuinely he just wanted to tell her how special he thought that she was. And he, he added a lot to this film and it really showed how important a parent is in walking with their child as they grow up. Um, even when they're shutting you out, just like there are moments where their lives will crash and burn and just to like be right there when they need you in the moment, for example, right after the scene in the back of the car with the boy, like he was home, like he was there to, to meet her in that moment. Yeah, I really think that this is an important film for adults to watch, you know, mm-hmm. especially parents Parents, if you got a kid, eventually they're <laughs> going to go through eighth grade. So I feel like this is a big encouragement, especially, I mean, I don't have kids, but I would imagine if I were pari- parenting this being and they just, they wouldn't talk to me, it would be super, super frustrating. And I would feel alone and annoyed and like, what do I do with this thing? And this film shows, like, okay, you're not alone. Keep going. Eventually, you might break down their walls. Mm -hmm. And you know what? You just have to be there. That is one of the biggest things. Just be there because at least they'll know that you're there. And when they need you, they'll come to you. So, yeah, I really feel like this is an important one for parents to watch. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially parents of even of young kids to figure out how you want them to be using their technology and phones. Yeah. Lord. Yeah, I when I was still teaching, there was a, a four-year-old 
that was in one of my classes and he would walk in every day and he'd be playing on his iPad and he would scream bloody murder when his mom took away the iPad so that he could go into class. He was four mm -hmm. and he was already addicted to technology. So it's wild. Yeah. Yeah. I like, hear of and, family friends that their, their daughter is like also just so tied to the iPad and so they've limited, she only gets like a certain amount of time per day to use the iPad and play on it. Mm -hmm. And they keep it in their room. And they're like this one morning, she comes in and like sneaks in to steal the iPad so that she could play on it while we were sleeping. And it's like the level of dedication and the lengths she went to to get the iPad <laughs> to play on it are beyond me. But my film professor is a great way of, ex of talking about this. He says, this is the drug that we never tested, but yet we've released out to hundreds of millions of people and we don't know the effects that it will have on the human brain we just never tested it and we we won't know the effects until it happened and then we'll have to deal with it but until then it's been released out to hundreds of millions of people and they're being consumed by it it's like that is dang. so accurate <laughs> this is the same professor that has a flip phone with no internet just texting yes. he doesn't like when you text him because it costs him like a couple cents he didn't have internet at his home for like until like four or five years ago. Love the man See, so much. That's <laughs> wonderful. If I could go back to a flip phone, I would in a heartbeat. <laughs> like I want one so badly. But I have friends who would like literally disown me. They would just, <laughs> Sarah, I'm done with you. I can't. You got a flip phone. I can't associate Sarah, with you. I need you to so. keep the iPhone so that we can talk about films and text about it all week. <laughs> Because exactly. if you have to pay a couple cents every text, it's going to be rough for me. It's going to be very expensive. Yes. Especially most of my friends text in like one line at a time. Oh, yeah. So that will just rack up the money. So I can't go back, Alas. but I want to. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> I'm stuck with the iPhone. Mm -hmm. All right. So final, final closing thoughts on eighth grade. As uncomfortable and awkward as this film is, and as much as I did not enjoy watching it, I think everybody needs to watch this movie. <laughs> um, it, it is an hour and a half of just straight up cringing. Uh, so you got to know that going in. But I think that it provides so much value and an important insight into some really difficult years, I think, especially given today's climate and everything that's going on, our addiction to social media, our, um, the increase in anxiety and depression and, and teen suicide and all of these things, like, this is something that needs to be watched and talked about. And then these underlying issues, um, man, they just, they need to be talked about in an honest and an open way. And I hope that this film encourages people to connect with each other outside of technology. Because mm -hmm. um, that's becoming a lost art. And I hope that more things are created like this film to encourage us to pursue those real connections. Yeah, totally agree. I was fascinated by this film, first by its ability to capture middle school awkwardness with such exquisite detail and accuracy. My goodness, it brought me back to a time period of my life that I thought I had buried deep, 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 deep away into my memories. And this just brought all of it crashing back. But it was, in a way... Um, great to reflect back on those years and all of the complicated things and self-identity uh, questions that were so prevalent and to see how much has changed since then. Like that was kind of a comforting thought afterwards where it's like, thank God I'm not in that stage and I'm out way out from that time period of my life. And yet there were other things that were in this film that felt so near to current realities. The use of technology and social media um, has been on my mind a lot the past couple of weeks. Um, I've been doing little like week-long social media fasts because I just realized 
not just with social media, but with podcasts and YouTube videos, how much is constantly being inflowed into my brain and how little time I have to process a lot of it. Um, and it can, it can, I can feel like my brain is overstuffed. And I just can't imagine for kids who have even less of an ability to like pinpoint good and bad and things they want to take in and things they want to reject. Like there's this constant bombardment of ideas, thoughts, images um, that is so prevalent. So this this film felt like echoes of years of childhood that I hadn't revisited in a long time and yet also felt so prevalent to my current self um, that it was just a really interesting film to finish watching and sit back and kind of like reflect on all of different the different themes that it presents. So uh, I highly recommend this film. It for if anything else, just watch it to be fascinated by the sheer awkwardness that you will experience for two hours. And the film's ability to make you feel that way is so impressive. But there's also just so much else beneath the surface that is big questions um, that are very relevant to today's society for ourselves, but also for our youth and our kids growing up. So highly recommend this film. It'll make you is... glad to be an adult or to be out <laughs> of that time period. Oh, that's for oh, sure. Man. Oh, man. I was so, so grateful to not be in middle school any longer. Yes. Oh, but man. This, is, this is a great film to watch and then process through with somebody else. Um, this is the whole reason why Jen and I created the strategic whimsy experiment. Um, we both love films and love discussing films. And it's a way for us to look at something both strategically, but also infuse some whimsy into our day. Um, and though this isn't a feel good movie, um, hopefully the, the relationship component that can come from discussing this film, um, will just add value and will open your eyes to other perspectives. So this is a great one to process with another human being, to conduct your own uh, strategic whimsy experiment of sorts. Um, but this really is one that you need to sit with and think through. And the more that you think about it and talk about it, like we said earlier, I think the more that you will appreciate and enjoy this one. Mm-hmm. And maybe talk about it with them like in person or yes sitting outside on a park bench or oh how wonderful <laughs> leave your phones is that at home. yes yeah. oh, that sounds great mm-hmm. eye contact that's always fun <laughs> it's really important oh man it's crazy it's crazy it's wild i did not like I have so much respect for parents that have middle school kids right now. Like, yes. I, I wonder what I – this film made me ask myself, like, what was I like at that age? Because I, I probably didn't even realize half of the ridiculousness that I was, <laughs> you know? There's, like, a self-awareness that I didn't – like, most middle schoolers don't have yet. Yeah, I, I don't remember middle school, uh, but I'm sure that I was a whole – hot mess of a terror. So, uh, yeah, this one definitely made me go, whew, really sorry, mom. <laughs> yeah. Didn't mean to be a jerk to you for all those years. <laughs> Sometimes I see middle schoolers or like early high schoolers at the mall or like at the food court hanging out. And it just, it's, it's so interesting to observe. Yes. So yes. the cool. social dynamics are fascinating. Yeah. Just like I just like, I just want to watch you. Not in a creepy way, but I'm conducting a study and you are foreign humans, so have at it. You know, I also am curious if it looks different in different countries and cultures as well. Like I'm thinking about if this was in like middle school set in Asia, like I'm sure the dynamics were super different. Like a lot of this is like very mm -hmm. American middle school culture yeah. stuff. 
Oh, know? 100%. Yeah. That would be fascinating to look at. I, don't know. I have no idea. So, so that's what we need. We need, so we've had the America eighth grade and we <laughs> just need an eighth grade on every continent and then, yes. then we'll be good. Oh yeah. It'll be our own version of the extended universe trend going on. <laughs> Except for it's just on planet earth. Yes. I love it. And then, sorry, I'm being facetious now, but, and then we'll have a final <laughs> film. That's the culmination of all of these films where we have all of the middle schoolers that were the main characters all get together in this like global competition. So they all meet each other. So we could see all these characters from different universes in one place. Cause that apparently that's really exciting for people, but alas <laughs> enough about Endgame. <laughs> see, I was going to say they all, uh, bribe Harvard to get in. And then we have the college years. That would so. actually be really fascinating. <laughs> College has his own set of like all kinds of self-identity stuff going on. Exactly. So we see how they fared in middle school and now we can see how they fare in college, mm. which let's be honest, is not all that much different. You just get oh, more yeah. freedom in college and can make stupider decisions, but it's yes. basically the same. <laughs> That is very true. I feel like high school feels like a continuation of like the middle school growth in a lot of ways. But with college, the fact that you're just like totally on campus with these people all the time and there are no parents at all unleashes like a whole nother set of reinventing yourself. It's also when people typically like move from their um, home cities and like go to a new place where they can like be a new person. I know that was a common Thing that a lot of people talked about freshman year was like I used to be quiet and I didn't want to be anymore so when I came to college I like just put myself out there yep. it's pretty interesting that would be right. interesting Bo Burnham if you're listening we're here for it we're here for if you it. need help A24. just let us know yes <laughs> oh god I would love to see him make a film that accurately depicts the college dynamics after seeing what he did with eighth grade this man's observant skill set is absolutely incredible. Him or Elsie Fisher, one of the two, just crafted I mean, this beautifully. Let's just take both. It's a package deal at this point in time. That's she true. can go to college. I mean, it worked really well for Toy Story. So let's do it with <laughs> eighth grade. You got a few years. Yeah. We just want freshmen in college. Yeah, I like it. It'll be very, like, boyhood-esque where we film the same kid, but, like, as they grow up. Be good. And then she can go to her first job. That's less interesting, but there are some interesting yeah. dynamics, like, starting your first job. Eh, Probably let's won't start make. with college freshmen first. Yeah. <laughs> See how that does. <laughs> Alrighty. We hope you guys have an awesome week and enjoyed hanging out with us. Um, we'll be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, have an awesome night or day, whenever you're listening to this, and we'll see you guys soon. 